Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Beardown Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer in the building. John Yurkovich sitting to my left as always. Jerko, I'm here. Here for another Friday. How are you feeling today? I feel great. Fantastic. Got a weekend full of golf activities uh, Ooh. awaiting me. Got a couple days off next week and got July 4th or, you know, right after. So the next two weeks kind of play themselves out nice for you, the golf course. You seem to always schedule that perfectly in there. You are well, you are savant at it. You've got to find a way. Yeah. I also want to stay out of this uh, traffic now that they're basically oh shutting down Grant Park and doing what they're doing with the NASCAR race. I will stay as far away from downtown as I possibly can during that event. How long is the uh, the drive in now? It's only 37 minutes. Still, still good? Well, 37 miles, so whatever 37 miles takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, less than an hour to come in, a little bit. Like an hour and five to get home. Can't go wrong there. Well, interesting episode today because we are operating in the positive. It's the off season. We can do whatever we want. Right. We're operating in the positive. No rain clouds here. No friend. rain clouds here. Nothing. In the scenario Nothing that the Chicago Bears are a winning football team, we get weekly Yurko's keys to a Bears victory. That's right. Yurko, I want to get your three biggest keys to a Chicago Bears winning season. Key number one, Yerk, by the way, hit that like button, subscribe to the page, all that good stuff, five days a week, y'all already know what it is. Key, Yerk, key number one, where are you going as one of your biggest keys to a so, Bears winning season? The key number one is obviously the play of Justin Fields. And everything's been put in place for the play of Justin Fields to become a whole lot better. Offensive line is here. Uh, they've invested in the offensive line. They've got free agents. They've got a top draft choice in the offensive line. So the offensive line has been invested in. You've got a backup tight end. You've got a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore. All the investments have been made. So this quarterback has a pretty good chance of getting things done for you. So uh, that's key number one. Key number two, that you've got to find a pass rush and you've got to improve your defensive line. Mm -hmm. Your defensive line was woeful last year. It was terrible. Just a pitiful pitiful defensive line and when i say pitiful i'm talking about in uh the effect that they had upon production. the offensive team yeah. uh the lack of production not so much the, production, <laughs> lack, of the production, lack of production yeah. <laughs> uh it's not specific upon any individual as it is on, as the group on a whole and i understand what the bears were doing last year and i understand they kind of you know cut them at the knees yeah didn't really provide them with uh, the best chances to have success, but they did that to the whole defense. They did it to the whole defense by compromising the defensive line. Absolutely. But it resulted in the number one pick. It resulted in the trade down. It resulted in your offensive tackle and DJ Moore. So uh, the understanding is the understanding of last year was last year. This year is this year, and they've already made additions with, within the within the draft, and they made some additions with free agency. So hopefully the quality and the talent – uh, it is going to be there. So, boom, that's key number two. Uh, the pass rush is going to have to be there. And then key number three, oh, boy, I think the defensive backfield is better because you're going to get a pass rush. And if you can get another, I would say key number three is to get a pass rushing defense event. Mm. Not to necessarily rely upon the free agents that you already have right. and or – a youngster that you have on your team that had seven sacks the year before and only mustered up a sack last year. 
I'd say in free agency June 1st, if you can lock down one of those guys that's out there or a Daniel Hunter or if you can get Yannick Nagakwe in there, mm-hmm. any one of those guys would kind of make me feel a little bit better. Even if you sign Yannick Nagakwe just to a one-year deal yeah. as a guy, and then you address your pass wrestling situation next year, it's fine. I don't care. Sign him to a one-year di- uh, deal. He's a mercenary anyway. He's a guy that comes out and just uh, dominates everybody. Soldier, yeah, soldier of war. Well, he's a 10-sack guy is what yeah, he is. Absolutely. 10-sack guy, and he's a guy that harasses the quarterback. He's not a 10-sack guy uh, being unblocked. Yeah. You know, He's a 10-sack guy. That they're always accounting for him. They're always looking for him, and they're always make sure that he's accounted for. So if, if they can do that, I think those are the big three for the Chicago Bears this year. See, I like that third one, and, and here's what I'll ask you off of that. How are we looking at this team? If we're not able to get that guy, because uh, I believe it was CBS, they put out their list of big. Oh, no, it was NFL.com put out their list. The biggest holes teams have. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's about 10 teams on that list that all had the same issue. Defensive end, defensive pass rushers and Kansas City Chiefs are on there. I believe Miami Dolphins were on there as well. Uh, teams that. If I go there, I have a chance of getting a ring. If I go there, I know for a fact they're going to be winning. Are the Bears going to be further down in the totem pole, even though they have more money to spend? Two different questions. Yes. Right? Are the Bears ready to win? I think the Bears are ready to win, but they've got to climb from three to nine before they go from three to 12. Right. So I I don't, I think the, the Bears are in the position to become in the hunt this year. So that's the position I look at them there. Um, as far as all those teams having uh, problems, if you don't get one of the pass rushers that's still available, that means you have faith in the guys that you have. Mm-hmm. I think just with the additions that they've made, they're going to improve. Right. So just with the additions they have, they're going to improve. I think you're going to get more sacks from your defensive line. But now they've got to find out if those kids, the guy got what kind of pass rush skills they have. And who are the people that are going to be on the field second and long and third and long? Who are the guys that are going to be on the field for the last – drive of the half, you know, defensively, and the fourth quarter, if you've got a lead, those are the guys they believe can get to the passer. So, you know, you'll end up finding out who they believe. We don't know yet. You think you got something. Yeah. But until you see it in training camp, you see it in the games, you're not going to necessarily know. So hopefully, uh, you know, they'll end up finding out exactly what they have or they have not. I'd prefer to get somebody. Of course. A mercenary. You've got the money. You can spend it one year. You get it back next year. So I, I I'm agree I I'm in agreement with you on that, but the biggest thing for me is about making an impact with the guys that you've brought in. The problem I've had with Bears GMs in the past is they go out and they get a guy. This guy looked really good with another team, or this guy did this over here, but they don't replace the scenario that allowed that guy to be that guy. That's what I, my fear is right now with Tremaine Edmonds with T.J. Edwards. I think that Tremaine Edmonds is going to be an absolute dog in this system for the Chicago Bears. But Tremaine Edmonds had a dog of a defensive line standing in front of him. He had dogs at every position. I think that, to me, if this Bears team is going to really get the most out of these guys, you've got to replicate that. And I like the fact that Ryan Poles is talking about going out and getting those guys. I think it's why they've addressed the defensive line position. You can get all the linebackers you want. And then if you put them out on an island and you got to force them to be men, I think you're going to find a, they'll be in trouble because mm-hmm. you put up a 245-pound, 250-pound guy against a 320-pound guy. I promise you the 320-pound guy is going to win it nine out of ten times. 
Uh, and, and, you know, you can use some um, elusiveness to get away from guys. You can undercut those guys. You can do this. But when push comes to shove, the bigger guy is usually going to find a way to go ahead and win. That's why it was great to see in the draft that they addressed the defensive line position. So, you know, he got Edmonds eventually knowing, going, I got to protect him because I can't come back with the same people I had. Yeah. And that's why they went about the business of getting it done. I think Edmonds with cover will be a whole lot better and a whole lot happier. Any linebacker with cover up front, I think, is going to end up being happier. So I think they gave him cover, and now you're just waiting for that one final piece. Hopefully they they pull the trigger on it. We've heard that Javon Dexter taking a step. We've heard Zach Pickens is kind of settling in. I like Javon Dexter. Uh, the, go, you you talked about before going him going from a, a two-gap system to a penetrating style will help him coming into the NFL. Sure. Uh, let me ask you this, though. Let's say they go out big, right? We've seen this with the Bears uh, last season. Bears tried to add. Bears tried to sign guys. Guys ended up going other places. Let's say they strike out. Guy failed physical. Guy failed a physical. Larry Ogunjobi couldn't couldn't uh, pass the physical. Let's say the Bears strike out in this scenario. Are you still optimistic yeah. on this defense moving well, in the right direction? I, I, I don't have to be optimistic. Uh, it's not that I have to be optimistic. Um, they addressed two positions on the defensive line in the interior. Mm-hmm. They believe by addressing those two positions, it's going to make the other two positions that much better because um, it might open things up for them. I would prefer them to get somebody, but if they don't get somebody, then guess what? Not a philosophy is all hands on deck. Whoever's ready to rock, you're going to have to rock. Are they better than Nagakwe? No. No, not right now. No. They, I'd prefer to have Yannick Nagakwe coming yeah. off the corner. Yes, that's what I want. Um, am I ready to go on? Yeah, you have to be. You don't have a choice. You make him an offer. He doesn't want it. He accepts someplace else. Then you've got to move on. That's right. just the way it is. You're not going to break the bank for Nagakwe because he's proven over the course of time that, he, that that's what he is, a mercenary. He doesn't care about the uniform he wears. He just cares about the fact that he's coming off the edge and he cares about his production and who he is. And I'm sure he cares about whether the team's winning or not Yeah, because that means he gets a little more money at the end of the day. But when well, you're he was 14, used as trade bait, when you're though, on basically. Four, well, like, why? Because he's the best player to trade why, away on why, struggling why, teams. Why, if a player is that good, <laughs> and if a player can get to the quarterback that well, yeah. why is he being used as trade bait? Why did he want to leave Jacksonville? Why did he want to? You think maybe there's places? a locker room concern there, possibly? Well, no, I'm not worried about locker room concern. Yeah. I'm just worried about some guys are just lone wolves. Mm-hmm. And it's not a concern for me, but it's just a recognition of what some guys are. And so I've got no problem. You want to be a lone wolf? I'm going to let you be the lone wolf. And then I understand exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to utilize you for your talent. We're going to pay you. We're going to compensate you. And if we're heading to the playoffs and we're heading in the right direction, then you're going to be with us and you're going to be a big part of it. If we're not, then I'm going to utilize you as a trade chip. Did you have a scenario with a guy like that no, when you played? Really. Y'all I didn't have, have any? Problem. I think Haley, Charles Haley, toward the end of his career, because mm-hmm. he had spent some time, I think, in Dallas. And then I think he went over to San Francisco. Ended up winning a Super Bowl in 1994 with them. Uh, but I wouldn't say, I mean, people wanted to keep Charles Haley. Charles Haley yeah. was a talent. You can come off the edge. People people want to keep you. Um, not really, you know, because free agency only started in 93. That's true, yeah. You know, so it wasn't. And then they started to expand upon, you know, the waiver system. And if a guy was in the league for next amount of years, you couldn't claim him. Uh, he automatically became a free agent. Trades weren't a big part. How was that in the beginning? 
Yeah. How how was that when free agency kind of really started up? Oh, was it a was it a first, clunky process? No, the first, the first thing was Plan B free agency. Yeah, so they protected thirty seven guys in the team, and the worst eight guys in the team got a chance to make money to go free agency. Mm. So that wasn't really free. Agency. The worst eight guys. The worst eight guys <laughs> got player thirty eight to forty five. Yeah, the guys that became free agents, and then once a player had been used up, like Joe Montana. Uh-huh and Roger Craig. So when those guys became available and they were too old and Steve Young was ready to replace Montana, then the San Francisco 49ers said, okay, we're going to protect other guys and we're going to let our highest price guys have plan B free agency. Oh. So they protected 37. That's how Kansas City ends up with Joe Montana and with Roger Craig at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So see how that ends up working? So now you, play, you're protecting now the cheaper guy. Yeah. Now the owners got smart and said, well, we don't really want to because a lot of these teams don't want to pay the high price guys yeah. that money because they haven't done nothing for them. You'd be paying them for performance for somebody else. Right. So that's how it started going. And that's why plan B didn't work. And that's why Reggie White and Sean Jones and a bunch of guys sued the league. That's why the judge in Minnesota, Doty, ruled in favor of the players. And that's when free agency came along. And that's when Reggie White signed with the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Yeah, he was allowed to sign as the name guy. He automatically became the first free agent, the biggest free agent, and we ended up signing. By the way, the 30th anniversary of NFL free agency is this year, 2023. Yes. I believe ESPN is going to do a 30 for 30 on it, uh, a big to-do about. Oh, you got to get you gotta get him in it. Yeah, hey, listen, well, powers that be. I mean, I was the guy that gave up the jersey to Reggie White and welcomed to Green Bay. Hey, what did that, that get you? I was there at the what did, what did, what did, Well, jersey, Not no. as much as it should. No? No. Reggie, Reggie came up pretty big on that. He didn't. He didn't get you. Would he give you a, a little steak dinner? No, and uh, no, no. He gave, it was a rain delay. It was like a four month wait. Christmas. Yeah. He gave me a Rolex, which I sold to Joe Sims. <laughs> it was a used Rolex. Did, okay, that's still good. I mean, Rolex still Rolex. Still Rolex. Still, still a Rolex. Still Rolex. I sold it to Joe Sims for twenty five hundred. He uh, he changed the bezel in the face, changed the colors on it, and then I had received the Movado for Christmas. And so I wore that. Reggie's like, you don't even wear my watch. And I said, well, Reggie, I said, hold on. I said, I gave it to my father. It was a holiday gift. I go, I got this one from my soon-to-be wife. I go, and I'm going to wear that one. Yeah. I go, but yours I gave to my father. My father loves it, Reggie. Yeah. Yeah, even though that wasn't true. <laughs> so, so. Then, he, then he accused me of calling it a cheap watch. And I said, Reggie, I never said that's a cheap watch. I go, but in the world of Rolexes, I got the Volkswagen. That's and, not. And that's not. That's not about yeah, it. that's true. And you and I both know yeah. in, in the range of Rolexes, yeah. they all say Rolex on them, but in the range that of Movado Rolexes, though. there's the Volkswagen yeah. and there's the Bugatti. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He gave me the Volkswagen. I did not receive the Bugatti <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. So it was easy, and and Reggie was fine. I go, but that Reggie, I never said that. Yeah. So and Reggie, plan his day. Him and I could talk to each other all the time. We had no problems with each other. Reggie's a good man. Is he one of your favorite teammates? Oh, boy, that's tough because I've been uh, everywhere. Frankie Winters is one of my favorite teammates, Frankie. You know, Reggie ran Reggie ran by himself. Reggie did what he needed to do. Reggie had bigger plans and bigger things going on. Yeah. So Frankie Winters on the offensive side of the ball, him and I talk to each other all the time because we practice across each other. Frankie was a good crap. Don Davey does my investment still to this day. Uh, Youngstrad, Wisconsin. Uh, was a four-time academic All-American and uh, played with him in Wisconsin at Green Bay and in Jacksonville. So Donnie still does Davy Equity Management, still does my uh, investments until today. 
and he will continue to do it until the day I die. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just the way it works. So I'd say Frankie, Don Davey, uh, anytime I see Leroy or Edgar Bennett, um, we always have, you know, we always had good times together. So, you know, those guys were always funny. Um, so we have, we have a good time. But like uh, one of my, my guys is uh, the equipment guy, Bobby Monica. He was my equipment guy in Miami yeah. for my one year. I bumped into him again in Jacksonville. He was there for the three years I was in Jayville. And then when I went to Cleveland in, in 1999, he was there in Cleveland in 1999. Was he following you right. or were you following no, no, him? No, I was following him. <laughs> he was always at these places. Yeah. You know, when I get in there. And so he went from Miami to Jacksonville in a expansion situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then um, I think he he left Miami and there was Cleveland was coming back. So he had already done it. So he left Jacksonville and went up to Cleveland to go ahead and do it up there, too. That's always so cool to hear, like, the 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 bonds that are built that last even to this day oh, on yeah. the football field. I mean, like, Two when you ago, I was down in Miami, I played golf with him. I called him and said, come down and play golf. Yeah. So we went down and played golf together. Can't go wrong. Yeah, he's running the XFL now. Oh really? Is he is he the in equipment? The oh, whoa, 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 whoa. He's an equipment guy. The equipment yeah, I, I, guy I thought that. I thought he moved up. He's not running I the XFL. You were saying he but moved he is. <laughs> He's running the equipment for all of the XFL. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were coming back and they went a year in a hiatus, all the equipment they had to recollect and they put in storage. He's and the guy doing patiently. All of that. Yeah, he's the one coordinating all that and getting all the equipment back to the teams. Do you like the XFL? Are you a fan of it? Um, I like football, but I believe football has its window. Its window is from middle of July until February. That's football's window for me. Yeah. They were doing it elsewhere in Europe or they're doing someplace else. That's fine. And it's not that. I, I just think seven months of football is what you need. I don't need 12 months of football. You don't need the. I need a little bit of a break. You, you don't need the minor league system of football in your life. Well, which, it, which is basically what they've made nah, it, and I, I kind of like it for that. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. I, I don't think Cause it's Because it's the last the minor league, from the, minor the team, league, right? The minor league of football is college. That's the minor leagues for the NFL. College game. And then when they're good enough to get through the minor leagues, that's when they come. When they graduate yeah. from the minor leagues, college football, NCAA, yeah. that's when they come to the pros and they get drafted. But see, let me ask you this, though, because a lot of these guys are the end of the bench guys that don't end up making the team. Right. Wouldn't you say if this guy's good enough to be on that team to make that if or that to compete for enough, that team? If that guy's good enough. He'd be on the 10 to 12 man practice squad that the NFL already has. Right. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that. that's I, I guess there, there's the bottom of that, too. I, di I didn't think about it from that aspect. Yeah. I was thinking about it from the this guy was. Could have been a pro, but they said, you know what? We just we got too many of your position right now. It's four hundred players. Boom, yeah, they can choose from already. Yeah, okay. So it's four hundred. There's your there's your you know taxi squad. Yeah, they're there. Now, do some of those taxi squad guys go out and do they play in the XFL? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, no, no, no. They stay. They stay they, in the they NFL. Don't wanna, they don't want to get hurt. Yeah, no. They they stay on the the practice squad. They don't go there playing that and get hurt and then not be available for your team. You're right. asking yourself, what the hell did I do? Right. So. When you ask me again what the minor leagues is, okay, to I, me it's not the XFL or the USFL. You know what? The, That's, mi the minor leagues is college football. Yeah. 
Okay, when they come up, and then your guys are already there because everybody's got ten to twelve practice squad guys now. That's true. So, I know. I didn't think. I didn't think of the practice yeah. squad guys. I'll give you that. I'll give you that hundred percent. PJ Walker, an XFL guy though. He's, he's pretty good. Well, over listen, that. we had a he's lot of guys that played in the World League, the Ohio Glory. Remember that when they had that, it was legit. Oh, that's throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Ohio Glory, and they had all those other teams that were playing. George Koontz, who became a pretty damn good linebacker for the Packers and went up to Seattle. George Koontz came from the Ohio Glory. Came out and ran special teams with us. He was, uh, uh, oh, God, where was he from? Oh, he went to school, and I know exactly where it's at. It's down in East Carolina. We had an East Carolina guy, okay? <laughs> yeah. So he needed it. Then there were other guys that came from that. They needed it, and then, boom, they got a chance to play in the league, and they did, and they flourished, and that's great. That's fantastic. That's what it's supposed to look like. But that was before we started having practice squads. Right. Because 1990 was my first year we had a practice squad, five players in Miami. I made the practice squad, right? 1990, hmm. Miami, five guys in the practice squad. Yeah. 1991 rolls around. The players sued the NFL because they limited those guys to making $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week for 17 weeks, $17,000. How are you living in New York? Even in 1990. Yeah, you're not living in New York for seventeen dollars. You know, seventeen grand for five months. Right. I was gonna say five months. I was gonna say you got to go back home. Right. After that. You got seven guys in one room. You know, <laughs> I've seen guys do it. You know, the junior hockey players. Yeah. yeah. Well, they bring thirteen guys and they put them in one four bedroom apartment and say survive. <laughs> Between all of you, it's a reality yeah. show there. That's it's a reality right. show there, New York. You never did that. You find those guys drive each other crazy. They want to. <laughs> they want to kill each other. All right. So ninety one, they sue. Four weeks later, they say, okay, you're going to get paid $3,000. Yeah. So we come back, and you're making $3,000. Now, in 51000 a year, if you spend the whole year on the practice squad, you could find a way to survive. So I got called back to Miami. Uh, it was 1990. No, 89 was the first year for that with Plan B free agency. So it was 89 was the first year. They made 1000 1990, they cut me. I went back home. And four weeks later, they called me and said, come back to Miami. We want you on the practice squad. Mm. So they paid me from that point on, week five, until uh, we lost to the – we beat Kansas City. We lost to the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. So I got paid for the rest of the season. It was fantastic. The next year I went to Green Bay, got cut. They put me on the practice squad again for 11 weeks. Uh, then the, uh, Sean Patterson uh, tore his knee apart, and then they activated me for the final five weeks of the season. What's the mindset, right? Because we're going to have guys that are going to go through that training camp, a, a bunch of guys, right? They're going to go through the getting cut. Right. What's the mindset? So when the, the mindset when is the axe comes, you've got to play to the level of the league. Mm -hmm. Don't count the bodies that are there and say, "All right, I'm better than him, 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 and them." If you can't play above the level of the league, they're going to find somebody else who's going to be released, and they're going to bring them in who plays at the level of the league. Mm. So if you can't play at the level of the league, you've got to go. That's just the way it works. Right. Or you, if you're young enough, they'll develop you and say, well, we think he's got the talent to be able to do it, but he's got to improve. And so we'll give him a year with us, and we're going to see if he improves. So uh, you can't be surprised. Uh, the year I got cut in Green Bay, we kept five defensive linemen. We are playing a, a more of an odd man front, and we play even man front when we went to the pass rush, mm -hmm. and they brought Tony Bennett. And they brought Tony Bennett out of I forget where. Hell of a player, though. One of the original Tony Bennett's. And Bryce Pop off the corner with two defensive linemen. That's why we only kept five. And I was on the practice squad. So you bring your two linebackers up, and they're rushing off the ends. And they were pretty damn good rushers. Right. And you put two defensive linemen in the middle, and that's what you ran. So when one of those guys got hurt, I got activated. Mm. Yeah. 
but only five. And most teams don't keep five defensive linemen. Yeah. You know, and one of those guys was inactive during the week, during the game. So we played with four, right? But Pop and Tony Bennett would come off the edge. While you're on the practice squad, what's the what is the the daily grind like of a uh, of a practice? You go squad through the player? meetings. You go through the meetings like everybody else does, but you've got to do all the offensive stuff. You got to do all the offensive stuff and all the defensive stuff. And you've got to take all the reps that are out there, and uh, you got to give them a look. That's what you've got to do. Scout team. That's what you were. Practice squad is scout team. You know, if a guy's tired at running back, we need you at running back. You're a body. Basically, that's what you were. You were a body to be used and utilized. And when you weren't there, you were discarded. Now, the key is picking what's, up. What's Jericho look like a running back? Well, they, oh, I look pretty good. I was a great pass receiver, too. I used to love running routes from Marino. Yeah. Oh, man, he just gunned the ball. I felt like Nat Moore, Duper, Clayton, all on the team at the time. It just, it was fun. You know, I had fun, so practice to me was always fun, so I never had an issue. Right. But you got to keep a positive attitude, and then you got to, if you can gain knowledge while you're there and understand concepts, then that's even better. So I was like a sponge. I'm in the offensive thing looking at, they're talking about what kind of formations and this and that personnel we are. They're picking it all up, picking it all up, picking it all up. The more you know about offense, the easier it is to play defense. Right, the more you know about defenses, it's easier to play offense. So. That's that's what Bill Belichick's philosophy was on uh, play callers last season, though. And I, <laughs> well, well, I mean, Belichick went into that year, and Belichick simply said, "If this thing goes wrong, it's on me." He did. I'm I give guy, him that. I'm the guy that's going to try this. I'm the guy that thinks it's going to work. So if it does, if it, if we do it and it works, great. If we do it and it doesn't work, don't look at anybody else but me. Yeah, I'm the guy that's responsible for what we're doing right here. So it's fine. Okay, he tried something. He was wrong. Yeah. Life goes on. Guess what? He'll be more cautious when he thinks about doing it again. He's got an offensive guy. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. But, I mean, he's a mensch in the fact that he, he said, I'm the guy that takes responsibility. I'm the guy that did it. I'm the guy that screwed it up. I, I, give, I do give him credit for that. I, w- I was talking about that the other day where there was a – uh, when you look at a scenario like that, one, you got to give him credit for having the balls to even try it. Mm-hmm. And two, I look at the situation with the young quarterback. Okay, you've already got a connection with uh, was it Bill O'Brien was there and he was with him at Alabama, all of that, right? So I I, I kind of liked it in that sense. And then when it didn't work, he was just like, "That's not me. That's my bet." I I, I, we'll, yeah, I got we'll, no we'll problems with with what Belichick does. Yeah, he's a you know even trying to cheat. You know, <laughs> we're all trying to cheat. You know what? I've I've said if you, you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's the way it works. <laughs> I've said this so much, and even it popped up again with the uh, when everything went down with the Aces winning in the WNBA championship. They won the championship. You know, every everybody's got an issue with it, but they still won the championship. They don't have an issue with it. Right. And I feel like there's uh, there's always times in Chicago where we ho- want to hold our teams to this integrity. We yeah. want our teams to be holier than thou, and we've got good guys on the team. And I said, you know the teams that usually win, though? It's usually the teams that don't have all the choir boys and all the, you know what I mean? I mean like, listen, Jordan <laughs> pushed off on Russell. Um, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, he's trying to gain an advantage. Greatest offensive foul of, of all time. Yeah, but, I mean, he was doing, he was creating room for himself. That's what he was doing. Yeah. They didn't call it because he's Michael Jordan. Okay. But he did that intentionally for a reason. Uh, to create some room for himself, hoping that they wouldn't call it. Yeah, yeah. And they did. And they did. So they made the shot, and there you go. 
Let's finish it out on this year. That's only cheating. I like it. It's only cheating. It's only a little bit of cheating. Let's finish it out on this year. Outside of Justin Fields and DJ Moore, who's the player that you're going to be watching the closest this season? Jalen Johnson. Easy answer for me. Mm. He's the guy that you got to decide whether you're going to pay or not. So his one interception may be thrilling to him, but it's not so much thrilling to me. I'd like to see more productivity out of him. And then the kids that's opposite of him. Um, Tyreek Stevenson? Yeah, Tyreek Stevenson from, no, Stevenson Stevenson, from the new kid. Yep. To see how. Miami. Yeah, he comes in. If he comes in now, he starts picking the ball off. Yeah. You got a rookie coming in, making things happen for you. And you got the guy on the other side not making things happen for you. I make you scratch your head just a little bit. I mean, if I'm going to pay a guy, I'm going to pay a stud. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to pay a guy that can't get it done. I'm going to pay a guy that can get it done. Well, I, I think that's my biggest question with uh, Jalen Johnson right now is, is he a floose guy? Is he a floose type of guy? They've got a type. They, they You look at every player on that defensive side of the ball that they brought in, they've got a type. Long arms, a little bit taller build. Right. Good frame, right, quick. Linebackers, yeah. defensive line. Uh, he hasn't quite established what he likes back there, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what it all turns out. I mean, they drafted to. Brisker and the other guys, so. And Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker had yeah. showed up. I, it, any any uh, any guys you're looking at here that, that might take a bigger step than most? Like, I think Jaquan Brisker could be a uh, DPOY candidate this I, season. I'm, I'm looking around. I think this is the year that Mooney's got to do something. Hundred I mean, percent. He's really got to separate. Going back to the slot, him. I like it. right, but he's got to separate himself from everybody. Yeah. So if uh, Mooney's going to do something, I think this is the year that he's got to separate him. I don't know what to expect from Cole Komet. I think I'm going to get the same thing I always get: sixty yards. No, sixty catches, six hundred yards, and a handful of touchdowns. Four well, or five. I, I, Courtney predicted on this podcast that Cole Komet may be switching places with Robert Tunyon coming in here really quick because Tunyon knows the offense. Tunyon's a production guy. Got good hands, already going to be able to work there his way know. into the system. So, I mean, he's at a crossroads. Kmet is at a crossroads, so we'll see. He's a, he's a, we started this thing talking about uh, schools and college. You know what I mean? Like, he he's a guy that's a five-year guy at uh, the, the, the uni- tight end university. You know what I mean? I'm like, how, how many years you got to go there? You, you should be teaching it by now. Well, it's COVID, too, isn't it? Wasn't that a COVID year over at Notre Dame? For Komet, is that who you're talking no, about? No, no. So every year, you know, he goes to the tight end U where, like, they get oh, all the tight ends yeah. together. I'm like, Cole Komet's been yeah, in this thing ever point, since he's gotten here. Right, at some point you got to graduate. What, when, when, when are you teaching it? I, I thought this was a one-year school. I always thought the one thing that he did was he always fought the football. He what do you mean by that? He always fights the football. So he, he never catches things smoothly. When mm-hmm. he does catch it smoothly, he goes to put it away, and it's always kind of – fumbling around on yeah. him, you know? Yeah. It's like he never can smoothly transition, get a firm grip on him, and have possession of it. I mean, he's laid it on the carpet a number of different times. Yeah. Or when he's going to make a catch and a key third down, ball hit his hands, then he'll hit his shoulder pad, then he'll come back into his hands. He's always, to me, fighting the football. Mm. It's never silky smooth. Yeah. It's never kelsey He's no Travis Kelsey. <laughs> well, we're not saying that. I'm just saying the way a guy receives the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so to me, it's always kind of rough. You know, it's, it's a little too. It's not a smooth oh, transition. No, no, doesn't have soft hands is right, what you're saying, basically. Right. It's like a robot. He's robotic in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Very and interesting. That's what I mean about fighting the football. Yeah. Very interesting to see. I, we'll see what this Bears team ends up being. But, hey, that is another uh, week. Nine and eight. That's where that's where that's, they that's get to I'm, nine eight. I'm doing backflips down the hallways. I will record. That means it. they're in the hunt. I will record it. Yep. <laughs> I need to see it. <laughs> well, I can't do a backflip anymore. I'll, I'll hire somebody to do backflips. <laughs> 
Hey, that is another week of the Chicago Bears podcast. We appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love as you always do. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the page, and drop a bird down in the comments, man. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. We'll see you Monday with Lance Briggs. Peace. <laughs>